Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Eat Local New York podcast. I'm your host, Anthony Tringale, and I'm very excited about this week's episode because I'm sitting down talking with Rich Strube from Eden. Eden is one of my favorite restaurants in Syracuse. It's definitely the top in the top three of best restaurants that exist in Syracuse. And uh, Rich, I think, is just a, a, a great person doing wonderful things with food and dining. And so I'm excited to have him back on the podcast, talking to him. He's been on at least one episode, if not more, I think two episodes in the past. Actually, three, because one of them we never aired. Uh, and <laughs> that, was the, that was the podcast that me, Chris, Rich, and Tim uh, were all supposed to consume something, and then we didn't. And so we wound up just sitting around <laughs> playing poker, I think. It was a pretty awful episode that never aired. But uh, it was a great hangout, but it would have been terrible content. Um, anyways, I'm thrilled to have Rich back on. I talk about this a lot, the three best restaurants in Syracuse. Amano, Eden, St. Urban, not in any particular order. It's just those are the three best. And um, it's really wonderful to have somebody like Rich sitting here. I'm not, uh, you know, I, I am a little bit. Uh, recently, as I've talked about in the last episode with Mark Bullis, but, you know, I've started now working at Limp Lizard in North Syracuse. That's where my restaurant that I'm a partner in, Through and Fried, exists out of. And so, Long story that I won't tell because it's too boring. Um, anyways, I'm now running that Limp Lizard. So it's been a really, it's been, you know, since the first of the year that I've been doing that. The past two weekends we've been open um, just on weekends as we're getting ready to revamp some things. Um, but uh, anyway, so for the past two weekends we've been in there. And I, I got to tell you, I mean, not that I, well, I didn't really fully know. I knew that being a cook, being Working in restaurants and kitchens definitely sucks. Uh, the absolute everything. Uh, but I can confidently say from the last two weekends, having worked 40 hours in uh, between a Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that working in kitchens sucks. I give so much credit to not only those that are doing it, but those that are doing it and still appear to be normal. Like Rich. Um, I mean... You know, to think that uh, I, because I'm just, I'm, I, you can't get anything out of me during that time. If I'm, I mean, uh, I'm lucky if I look at my phone during those hours. And uh, it's a lot of fucking hard work, a lot of hard work. So, uh, God bless everybody who is working in the kitchen. It is definitely not for the faint of heart. Uh, yeah. Maybe I'll talk more about that in a future episode. I'm really excited for this episode with Rich. Um, just to talk to him about it. It really would be a great kickoff for a series, and maybe it will be, because uh, I've got an episode coming up with Barry from Two Kids Goat Farm after this. Uh, but maybe this will kick off, like I should do a podcast talking to all the local people that Rich buys food from, um, the farmers and you know cattle raisers and all those people, because it's really interesting. I mean, we have such a wealth, an extreme wealth of abundant resource here in central New York and uh, it needs to be highlighted more and more and more and more and more. So yeah, I'm also, I do want to make a couple of announcements. I'm really excited, thrilled actually, that on February 7th, I'm going to be recording a podcast with Stephen Page, uh, musician, world-renowned musician, um, Canadian, and former band member, lead singer of the Bare Naked Ladies. 
Um, I'm really excited to have Steven on the podcast. I've reached, I reached out to him a couple weeks ago and just, I saw that he was, he liked a video or followed us or I forget what, but, uh, anyways, I saw him on Instagram. I followed him and I sent him a DM. I was like, Hey man, I'd love to have him on the podcast. And he agreed. So I'm really excited to have him on. I don't know really what I'm going to talk to him about yet. Um, there's a lot of things I'm curious about, but they kind of go down different avenues. And so, um, and I'm not sure if he's open to talking about like time at the bare naked ladies and those experiences of kind of coming up, you know, as a musician and then hitting it big and, and all that kind of stuff. But I'm also really curious about the music industry today and how things have changed so much in the decades that he's been in the limelight. Um, so anyways, I'm really excited about that. Nothing to do with food. Steven is a musician. I don't know if he's a, uh, I've seen him at Alto Cinco before. I don't know if he's a considers himself a foodie or an at-home chef or anything like that. I'm sure we'll talk about food a little bit, but I'm just really excited to have him on. I think it's going to be cool and uh, lots of fun. Um, also, another announcement, not really anything crazy exciting, but we're just putting a lot of effort into content here at Eat Local New York. Um, I'm thrilled that we've was, I was able to hire Nicole from Coast to Coast Eats, Coast to Coast Foodies, Coast to Coast something. Um Really phenomenal Instagrammer, Nicole and her wife, Ashley, here in Syracuse. Really fortunate to have them. She's been doing a lot of wonderful work with her video editing over the past uh, months, years, year. And so I um, was able to bring her on to help me out as I get more uh, involved in things outside of Eat Local New York. And so, yeah, so we've just been putting out tons of content lately with the hope of putting out a new show, a new video every single day of the week. Um, you know, that's kind of the goal is like, you know, on a Monday we might have like the favorite pizzeria thing where we ask, you know, industry people what their favorite pizzas are, pizzerias are on Tuesday. It might be a show we're doing where to eat, where we just highlight a, um, restaurant that's on the card, um, or something delicious. The new videos of me, like going out and checking out food and being on camera more. So we're just trying a bunch of different stuff and, you know, it'd really help us. If you like the content, go consume it, please. Um, we've said it before, subscribe to the podcast, whatever platform you're listening to this on, but you know, check us out on YouTube. Give us a subscribe over there. Instagram, TikTok, Facebook. It's, we're doing all of it because we're trying to make money. I'm trying to make money here, people. I mean, I love doing this. I love talking to restaurant owners and chefs and musicians. And I mean, I've said this also before. My favorite part of everything I do at Eat Local New York is this podcast. And it generates absolutely $0.0. No money comes in from all of the effort and thousands upon thousands of dollars of audio video equipment. Uh, so yeah, if, Hey, if you want to be a sponsor, if you're a business owner, restaurant owner, you want to be a sponsor on the podcast, get a little commercial, uh, out here to all of our listeners and viewers, then reach out to me, Anthony, eat local, New York.com. But anyways, so we're just trying to make a go of it. I've been doing this. I've been had eat local now for seven years, never made any significant income. This is the year we're going to try and figure it out or we're going to shut it down. So you don't want to see a shutdown to spend money with us. Uh, all right. Without further ado, let's get into my conversation with Rich from Eden.
Yeah. So you said you've been bartending some lately. Do, do you enjoy it? Uh, I do. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. Um, you know, learning from Keenan's been amazing. Mm-hmm. He's he's so knowledgeable. Um, and we just sit back there. Like if we're not busy making cocktails or talking to guests, we're talking about spirits and, you know, the evolution of, of how these things came to be. Yeah. Uh, and it's it's just been a blast, you know. Yeah. And it's inspired me to be more creative with the food, too. Mm. So I started making uh, vinegars out of vegetable juice last week, which mm. I'm really excited about. Mm. So he may, we may use them in shru- as, like, shrubs and drinks, yeah. uh, but also, like, just stuff in the, in the kitchen, too. That's um, cool. Like marinating, you know. Yeah. How do you make vinegar out of vegetable juice? So you take the vegetable juice, and you, it's called backslopping. You add um, a mother. Yeah. So like that Bragg's apple cider vinegar that still yeah. has a mother in it. So you add a certain percentage of that, and then you add a little bit of Everclear or like overproof alcohol, hmm. and it stops it from spoiling right away. Huh. And then you put a – it's called a air stone. You put a little air stone in the bottom of it, and it just bubbles. Oh, wow. So it keeps the oxygen like moving around in there. Hmm. Um, yeah, and after 14 days, you have vinegar. That's wild. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Huh. What's the flavor profile of it like compared to like a typical white distilled? Does it taste like the vegetable juice? It tastes and smells like the vegetable juice, but it also has more texture. Okay. Like the butternut squash one's a little bit thicker. Mm. So it's got like more of a, a palate feel huh. uh, than a regular vinegar would. Yeah, that's wild. Yeah. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah. I think vinegar, I think if, there, if I could highlight one ingredient, one, I don't know if the ingredient is the right term, like flavor comp fucking thing. I don't fucking know. There's one thing that like the food in, in Syracuse is lacking the more than anything to me. I would say it's like that acidic vinegary component. Yeah. We do a lot with that in the restaurant. Yeah. We're, um, cause my whole thing is that I want the food to like punch you in the face. Like I want it to be so flavorful that like you don't forget it. Mm. Um, you know, I know there's other ways to go about it, but that's just always been my approach is like, yeah, how do I make this like, an unforgettable meal. Yeah. Um, so hopefully we're achieving that mm. on a regular basis. It seems like our clientele really like what we're doing. Yeah. Um, You're still alive. <clears throat> still alive. Yeah. You know, even even though COVID, you know, <laughs> shut everybody else down, <laughs> uh, we're still doing pretty well. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's always been the goal. It's just like, how do I, because when I go out for a meal, I think we've talked about this before, I'm, especially at a restaurant like ours, like at a price point like ours, mm-hmm. I'm disappointed if I don't walk away like thinking, how did they do that? Like, you know, yeah. wanting to wanting to figure it out. Mm. Um, so that's that's kind of where I draw my inspiration from. Yeah. And it's it's hard when you're running the business and being the chef at the same time, but we we finally have a full kitchen staff now, so I have an, I, I have a little bit more time to, like, go and do those other research projects and, that's cool. you know, change things up a little bit. Yeah. What's that like? I mean... You know, I know I've had this conversation, you know, with too many times over the years on, um, you know, cooking and being a cooking and it being like an art form. You know, it's like something I can't attain. Right. And Cody used to always say it's a craft like anybody can do it if you just put the time and effort into it. I think you kind of have the same approach. Yeah. Um, Now that I'm cooking more with a restaurant and then some other stuff, I, I kind of get that a little bit, you know, like you can learn stuff and you put the if you if you get educated on how to do stuff uh and you put the time into it yeah you can figure it out um and so i kind of get that a little bit more um but is it is it more challenging for you to is it more well what's more challenging for you to be 
back in the kitchen on the line <clears throat> on a Friday night or to be balancing the checkbook on a Monday morning? They both have their own challenges, I guess. You know, I, I really hate doing paperwork. Yeah. It's just <laughs> it's part of who I am. Yeah. Um, so doing the paperwork is definitely challenging for me. It's just, it's just challenging for me to, like, get motivated to do it. Because the cooking part is instant gratification, you know. Mm. I put a dish together. I put it on a plate. People like it. They tell me they like it. That's wonderful. You know? Yeah. My accountant doesn't give me praise if I write all the checks on time. <laughs> so it's, it's a little bit easier to get motivated to, to do the artistic part and the, and the craft side of things than it is to balance the checkbook and deal with, you know, workers' compensation and that kind of stuff. Yeah. You know, that is part, that's a necessary part of running a business. Um, so that's something that I've learned. And that's something I've taken the last three years kind of out of the kitchen and kind of relied on some of the stuff that I knew before we started this mm-hmm. to kind of get us, get us along. Um, but now that we have a full staff, it's, I have time to do both, mm-hmm. you know, so I have time to balance the checkbook and make sure that, Things are going well on the financial side of things, and the, the, there's legal stuff too. Yeah. Um, so to deal with all that stuff on like my administrative day, which is usually Tuesday, and then Wednesday through Saturday, be more creative, mm-hmm. kind of go into the walk-in and think like, oh, what can I do with this stuff? What can I do with this really cool produce we got from Common Thread Farm this week? Or, yeah. You know, because there's a lot of cool stuff happening here. Are you are you guys 100 percent or you know close to it, like locally sourced for New York? We're pretty close. Uh, obviously, there's some stuff you can't get here. Yeah. Like, I can't buy lemons and limes from New York. It's just, yeah. you know. Um, but, yeah, I'd say we're pretty close. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, all our cheese comes from New York State. The bulk of our vegetables come from New York State. The one thing that we've always had trouble with is beef because mm-hmm. I can't find a, one farmer that can provide me with enough beef because we sell, by, by far and away, beef is the most purchased thing in our restaurant. Yeah. Um, so I haven't had a, I haven't found a good beef supplier that can supply me with all of the New York strip that I need because that's always on the menu. Yeah. But we've kind of worked our way around that. And this is gonna, I'm going to segue to something I'm really excited about in the new year, but we've mm-hmm. kind of worked our way around that to buy from smaller farms and just buy the whole cow. Mm. And then we put those cuts on our menu. That's so, cool. and we, we run a certain number of cuts a night and then whenever we run out, we run out. Are you doing that now? Yeah. Holy fuck. Yeah, that's awesome. It. We've been doing it for... Six months now. Holy shit, that's amazing. Yeah, so you can get like a T-bone and a porterhouse. You can buy a I knew that you did the menu. I didn't know it was because you were buying the... Like, I love that menu of like, you know, and you pay by the ounce, right? Yeah. I love, love that concept when I saw it. Um, but I didn't know you were doing it because you were buying the whole cow. I thought you were just doing it because there was nobody else really doing a fucking great steak in Syracuse. No, we're, we're buying the whole cow. That's I mean, I hope that we have the best steak in Syracuse. Yeah. But, I mean, in the new year, we just got a dry ager today. That's awesome. And I am so excited about it. Yeah. Um, the, just, it opens up so many possibilities with charcuterie, yeah. you know, minimizing. Because we do, when we cut those New York strips, we always have that end that has a, the vein in it. Yeah. And we can't really sell those. So, like, we'll turn them into meatballs, but that's kind of gotten old after a while. So yeah. now we can start making our own sausage and, and mm. doing that in there, as well as dry aging beef. Yeah. Uh, that's so, really cool. Yeah, I'm really excited. We have three bone-in ribeyes coming tomorrow that I'm going to hang. Wow. And I'm, I'm pumped about it. Huh. All right, so i got to ask you, like, an operational question as, like, a, as a restaurant owner. So for a restaurant like yourself, do you think about, or and if you do, how do you, like, where do you find that line between effort into a dish for creativity and flavor and all that kind of stuff versus cost of time and, and food? Well, I think, 
you know, it's generally the simplest things that are the most delicious. Mm-hmm. You know, we, we really just buy food and try not to screw it up. Yeah. You know, that's, that's kind of my mentality at the end of the day. So we don't do a whole lot to it, but as long as the flavor is there and like the ingredients are there, you know, the, the it has to be a great carrot if you're going to make carrot puree out of it. Mm-hmm. That's, that's how we start, okay. you know, and then we don't really do too much to it. I remember working at another restaurant. It was here when I first moved here and I was kind of finding my bearings and they were ordering a bunch of food from Cisco and trying to get a carrot to taste like a carrot from Cisco is not possible. Like you just, you can't add enough salt. You can't add enough of anything to make it taste hmm. like not cardboard. Yeah. But if you get like this beautiful produce that we find locally and then don't do too much to it, just roast it or turn it into a puree or, you know, do something simple with it. Hmm. It's already got all those flavors in it. You don't have to like really mess with it too much. That's, yeah. that's what I found. Okay. Um, you know, maybe add a little bit of acid, a little bit of salt, but it doesn't take too much to make something taste really good as long as it started off good. Yeah. Huh. That's interesting. Yeah. Cause I'm just like, I'm, I'm going through, you know, some of the stuff it's like, okay, it's going to be all this scrap from the brisket. I could, I could make sausage. I could make burgers out of it, you know? And then I'm thinking like, is it going to be worth it? Can I justify the time of going through all of that to get a burger out of it? Or should I just buy, you know, do I just need to buy the stuff, you know? So I know there's world's different restaurants, but, uh, you know, but I'm going into it with a little bit more of like a creative mindset. And obviously, you know, Eden is, you know, one of the most creative restaurants in the area. So that's, you know, Thank you. you know, kind of where I'm like, I wonder what that line is. We also have traditionally done stuff that's really stupid and time consuming for no reason. <laughs> All right, I'll, 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 I'll Thank you. be honest about that. You know, we've done like burger events that nobody shows up to because we're just not a burger joint yeah. people. Like our friends will show up, but it's not like a, a big to do like we expect it to be. Yeah. Um, that's pretty so cool. we've, we've definitely done a few things in the past where it's like, you know, why do we put all this time and effort into this? But yeah. then we end up having ground beef and we'll do something else with it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we've definitely done our fair share of events that were just like, a huge waste of time and <laughs> nobody came to him. So that's, I mean, and that's partially my fault. I probably don't promote as much as I should. Mm-hmm. Um, we could have like an email list, but I also find that stuff kind of annoying. Yeah. As a person that doesn't like paperwork, I also don't like emails. Yeah. So, you know, I see all that and I just delete it. Right. I, I don't pay attention to it. So I figure <laughs> nobody else is, but that's probably not true. Yeah. Well, I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess, you know, kind of your, your, your benchmark for that stuff and and a certain degree should be the, you know, for yourself should probably be some of the Michelin stars in, you know, in New York. Right. Um, and so, uh, I don't know. It is like, what's the one Madison park? Like, or, you know, 11 Madison Latin, park. I'm actually going there on my birthday. Are I'm you really? Really excited. Yeah. Wow. Uh, I've been spending a lot of time in New York lately. Yeah. I've started dating somebody down there. Oh, cool. Um, so I go down like once, at least once a month. Okay. And, We'll go out to like Michelin star restaurants or something that I think is really cool. Yeah. Uh, last time I went to Dante, okay. which was, they have an awesome cocktail program. Mm. They also have a wood fired restaurant that I didn't go to, mm. uh, but they have an awesome cocktail program. I picked up a couple ideas. Every time I go into one of these restaurants, I'll pick something up. Yeah. You know? I never met a good idea I didn't steal. <laughs> so I'll, I'll see something and be like, you know, that's, that's really cool. You know, how, how can we apply it to what we're doing? Yeah. Uh, we recently, like I went to Dante and we had the, I had the beef tartare. Mm. And they served it with bone marrow. So now mm. we have beef tartare with bone marrow on a menu, <laughs> which is awesome. It's an awesome combination. Yeah. Um, huh. But it's like, it's something small from every restaurant that I go to there that's that's special. Like uh, 
I went to Jindun last year, which is a Indian restaurant. Okay. Um, really, it's a Michelin star restaurant, and they stamped the ice with their logo. Yeah. And so I came back here, and we ordered a stamp for our <laughs> ice because I was really excited about it. I just thought it was really cool when the, yeah. when the glass was presented to me. So, uh, yeah. yeah, well, I'll, I'll take those ideas and incorporate them in what we're doing. Yeah. That's which cool. is a lot of fun. Yeah. I forgot what, what was my – oh, 11 Madison Park Bright doesn't have an email list, I'd imagine. Uh, I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not yeah. on it if they, yeah. if they do. Next time you're at one of these places, ask them if you can join their email club and see what okay. they say. <laughs> I think some of them, like I know with Square, like we use Square as a point yeah. of sale system. It'll put you on an email list. But there's also some, I've heard there's some kind of legalities about like whether or not you can harass people with those lists. So yeah. I right. just choose not to because yeah. I feel like it is harassment. Yeah. Um, because I don't, I don't need to know every time. Yeah, I, I get signed up for so much stuff because you have to enter your email address to do, you know, all kinds of different things. So, hmm. I, there's just so much like, right, so much garbage that comes through. Yeah, and it's a lot of it's just stuff I don't want to look at. Yeah, my point is I don't know if I want to get an email, like buried acorn. Cool, you know, tell me about your bottle society, you know, or Tim's yeah. dressed up as Santa, harassing people. Awesome, send me an email about it. I don't know if I want to get an email from a fine dining restaurant that's like, you know, uh, come in tonight. <laughs> We've got a special on whatever, you know. Yeah. I don't know how that works or if it should just be kind of like part of the allure of going to some of those places is that, you know, they're not doing the same thing that everybody else is. I think it's a mix. Like, I think what St. Urban does with their email program mm-hmm. is pretty good because um, okay. they do change their menu monthly. Yeah. So it just kind of gives you the update of like, okay, January is California. So yeah. you you know kind of what to expect. Mm. Um, I don't find their emails harassing, but like there's definitely other restaurants that I'm on their email list for no reason. And I'm just like, yeah, I don't really care that you're doing a bacon cheeseburger this month. (laughs) Uh, What do you think about St. Urban? Uh, I like it. It's it's a much different restaurant than we have. Yeah, for sure. And then I, you know, I go in there and I experience the service part of it. And I do... Sometimes I go in there and I'm like, man, we should really be doing this kind of service. But then I get back to our restaurant and it's just more low key. Yeah. And I kind of appreciate that about us. You know, we are like the servers like to joke around. Uh, You know, Brian is hilarious with the guests. And I'll sit in my office and listen to what he's saying to everybody. (laughs) And I I get a kick out of it. So I'm assuming the guests do too. Yeah. Um, I, I don't know. I kind of struggle with like, should we up the ante and like replace the silverware between every course and mm. you know have the servers walk to the table and make eye contact and drop the plates at the same time or should we just keep being kind of a fun restaurant yeah and you know i kind of go back to when we started this i wanted a restaurant that my dad would like to go to mm-hmm. and he's a pretty low-key guy he's a steak and potatoes guy yeah and i think he really enjoys spending time at our place so yeah i, th- I think we're on to something with just like the friendliness and not being so stuffy yeah but there's a place for that, you know, that higher end, like white glove service too. Right. And I worked in restaurants like that, uh, you know, for four years I worked in a restaurant like that. Hmm. And it was cool. I learned a lot. Um, I just, it was a little stuffy. Yeah. And that's not my personality. So that's kind of like where I drew the line, I guess. Yeah, for sure. You know. Somebody in, uh, recently sent me a DM on Instagram and a follower and she had asked, I think it was her husband's birthday or their anniversary, some special occasion. 
And she said, we're going back and forth between St. Urban and Eden. Which one would you choose? I was like, that's a tough call because they're both amazing. I said, but St. Urban is more of like an experience. You're going to go there. You're going to be there for a while. You're probably not going to, you know, you know, you're, you're going to be enthralled with everything that's happening there. Yeah. And you're going to leave, you're going to pay a lot of money, but you're going to leave having this great experience and great dinner. If you go to Eden, you're going to have a phenomenal dinner, you know, great experience, but it's not like this massive event, you know, like, yeah. and not that you're trying to, or nor should it be, or that you're trying to make it be that. So I was like, and I, so I, that's what I said. I said, so St. Urban's more like an event. Eden's more like one of the best dinners you'll ever have. She was like, oh, that's perfect. You know, that's how I would probably define the two of you to anything. Not that I'm, yeah. I'm not asking you what you think of St. Urban. So because I'm trying to get you to, I'm not comparing the two of you. Very I mean, different. It's tough to compare. And I think even yeah. uh, Jared Paventi wrote something on Facebook. He, he was in for dinner last week and he wrote something on Facebook and the comments started going back and forth and he's like, it's, it's, they're two totally different concepts. Like you yeah. can't really compare the two. Not at all. And I think that's true. You know, I think you kind of get put into the same category though, because in my mind, there's three restaurants in Syracuse that are worthy of a conversation of food outside of Syracuse. And that's you, St. Urban and Amano. Yeah. Most other restaurants in this area, while they, produce fine food and things like that, I would never hold them up against something from Buffalo or New York. Well, I don't know about Buffalo, but I would never hold them up against like something in New York City. Yeah. Uh, but you three, I would. You know, I'd be like, that's great. Fuck you. We have a mono, you know. <laughs> yeah. um, and so that's why I kind of like lump. I all I, When people are at, ever ask that question, best restaurants in Syracuse, Amano, St. Urban, Eden. There's no question. Those are the only three that exist. And they're three totally different concepts, three totally different styles of service. Yeah. Um, and I would put the food at our three restaurants up against anything I eat in New York. Yeah. You know, I, for me, it's all about flavor. Yeah. Um, you know, Alex does a great job with that. Jared does a great job with that and takes the service to a new level too. Yeah. So, you know, I think, I, I think you're right. I mean, those, those, our three restaurants are doing really well. Yeah. And that was the whole point of opening Eden was to put central New York on the map. You know, mm. we decided to open our restaurant. St. Urban wasn't a thing. Yeah. I don't think Defee was even it wasn't. conceived of yet. No. Because we spent two years building the place. Yeah, so, right. um, yeah, th- there wasn't a place that I wanted to go out to eat necessarily. Yeah. That I was like jazzed to go out to eat at. Right. And then I opened a restaurant that I would be jazzed to go out to eat at and I can't. Because yeah. I work there and own it, <laughs> but there are other restaurants now that I'm I'm pumped. So you know, if I ever get a chance to go see Alex at Amano, or if I get a chance the night off and I can go up to St. Urban, I I will. Yeah, I've wanted to do a dinner for a while where I invite like who I think are like twenty of the bigger food people in Syracuse, and we go to a different restaurant <clears throat> and on a on their night off. Alex said he he would host it one night, and I was thinking like on a Monday night. You know, Alex opens up, Eat Local pays for it, and, you know, we just invite, like, you know, 20 of the more influential chefs and restaurant owners and whoever, um, you know, distillers, whatever, just 20 interesting people to dinner. Just hang out, get to know one another. I would love to do that. I'd love yeah. to be involved with that. Because I, I, I kind of have this dream of doing, like, a back. Where I'm from in Vermont, we have this fine wine and food festival every year, mm. and it's just the best restaurants in the state get invited to it. Mm. And 
I think it's like 20 restaurants mm. and it's, it's such a great event because it's like, you know the food's going to be great. You know the wine's going to be great. They have a keynote speaker. I think one year was Alice Waters. Mm. They may have had Thomas Keller one year. Mm. Um, I've always worked it, so I didn't get a chance to see <laughs> the actual speech. Yeah, But it's it's a lot of fun, and it's a great mm. way to promote the people that are doing you know great work in the culinary field. Yeah. Um, and I have, mm. I have kind of an idea. I want to do it at the Everson. We've had a little bit of a conversation about it and involve farmers too. Yeah. Cause that's kind of our whole, our yeah. whole deal. Uh, that could be. So, um, I will just say, cause I'm feeling guilty about it. Kyle at Kasai, I would say is probably like, if there's a fourth, it's Kyle, you know, yeah. Kasai, he's doing some really, you know, especially some of this, like when him and Jesse turn their special decide to like, Hey, we're going to flex, then they can flex on something. Yeah. Um, some of the best, I'd say, like, top 10 dinners I've had in Syracuse are um, when I was doing some of his social media. He would do, like, these private dinners for people, and I would get to hang out in the kitchen and photograph each course. And then I'd say some of my favorite moments of last year were at the end of those dinners, Kyle would prepare, like, a dinner for me and him and Jesse, and we'd sit up in the restaurant and, you know, oh, wow. late and eat that food and then, you know, have a couple drinks or something. So, you know, if there is a fourth. I miss... Defee, I wish that they were still open. I wish they had made it. You know, Cody did some phenomenal things. Um, but I haven't had the opportunity to go in since uh, Nick reopened it. Yeah, unfortunately, I've worked with them on a couple events, but I haven't dined there either. Um, I need to make a the, one of the struggles I have with Eat Local is we I get so pigeonholed. It's like I just you know it's like I don't really go out often to like new places. I go to like the same spots. Um, but back to your your festival thing. So I've been watching um, uh, the Chef Show on Netflix over and over again be- recently because I'm, you know, because I'm like gearing up for this restaurant. So I'm like watching that. It's like making me think of other shit. And uh, I know that one of the episodes they did from like a few years ago was this um, Hot Luck. Is that Hot Luck? Hot Luck, I think is the name of the event that Aaron Franklin puts on in Austin where it's like, it okay. is that it's like he invites his friends that are chefs from around the country, like some of the best and they all have like a little booth and make food and whatever. And I, I saw that and I was, was thinking that'd be fucking awesome to do something like that here in Syracuse. Yeah. That'd be great. You know, not like a burger festival or anything like that. Just like a food festival. Yeah. You know, I mean, it, it just, I, I have a vision of something nicer than the, it's a Syracuse food festival. Yeah. Yeah. Or, or, uh, Taste of Syracuse. Taste of Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, you know, that's great. Gets people downtown. Right. I'm glad that people get to try a bunch of restaurants food, but like, you know, you have OIP show up and yeah. Domino's, I think was there one year. Right. It's like, you know, it's not really a taste of Syracuse. It's a taste of like the restaurants that want to show up. Yeah. Um, hmm. yeah, I, I feel like, you know, something a little bit more intimate, um, you know, maybe with some kind of keynote speaker, somebody yeah. that's, that's, more influential in the food world. Yeah, for sure. Uh, would be would be really cool. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. We might need to do something, Rich. We might have to do yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Um, because Syracuse, like, you know, I know talking to, like, Alex, you know, Syracuse for, I think, for some of you fine dining, I know, you know, like, listen, you still exist. You've been open for a few years. So, you know, the city has been great and, you know, good enough, right? Um, yeah. But by and large, our city, I don't think our area doesn't really get great food. You know, they don't understand it. I'll tell you, when I first moved here, the conversations I had with, with restaurant owners were, you can't do that here. You can't buy local. You can't charge that much for food. Yeah. 
you know, I know we're expensive. I'm well aware of it. I, I'm aware of it because I pay the bills. I know how expensive <laughs> the food is when it comes in. But I think that at the end of the day, people want that that place they can go to for a special experience. For sure. You know, or, you know, their, their anniversary or, you know, we've had a number of people get proposed to at our restaurant. Mm-hmm. And that means a lot to me yeah. you know, that, that we can provide that to people. Yeah. I can't imagine somebody providing or, you know, proposing at, I, I don't know. OIP. Yeah. <laughs> OIP. Yeah. Not to, not to shit on OIP. <laughs> not to shit on OIP. <laughs> um, yeah. No, that's awesome. I just, you know, it's like, how do we, I know Cody was really dedicated on that, on trying to cultivate like a, an area that had a better appreciation for finer food, not, yeah. you know, and, um, and while St. Urban and Eden and Amano do just fine, I'd imagine, um, I wonder how we cultivate that even more, you know? Well, there's some interesting stuff happening. I mean, there's that Italian restaurant, La 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 Lu. Yeah, La La Lu. Yeah, I mean, I can't imagine they listen to this podcast. Uh, (laughs) And, you know, you got to be careful because, you know, Rise and Shine is on the Eat Local card and it's the same owners. But that's nowhere near interesting food. I've seen what they post on social media and it looks interesting. Yes. I would love to go there and try it out. Yeah. And, you know, I, I haven't been there. I, I am excited to go yeah. when I get the chance. Um, but it looks interesting. There's some cool concepts. Yeah. And I see that stuff and I'm like, man, I wish I, we could afford new plateware so I could, like, yeah. you know, put, put this on this dish or, like, do the little clothesline thing. And yeah. I've had some, some other ideas I want to do with, like, especially the fish dish yeah. that I haven't gotten around to. But that, that it's very Instagrammable. You know, it's very, yeah. like, photogenic food. For sure. Uh, which is really cool. That's what they are. And, and, you know, kudos to them because if there is like an outlier in Syracuse when it comes to that so- that style, it is Danielle. No one in this town and a thousand people have tried to copy her, especially from the Rise and Shine crazy menu aspect. No one does that as well as she does. Conceptually yeah. looking at something and see- being able to see it presented in a way that no one else has thought of. She's better than anybody else. And it is impressive when you see it. I remember I went there for my birthday one year, mm-hmm. and the one of the cooks in the kitchen knew it was my birthday because mm-hmm. we're friends on Instagram, and she brought me out a cake, and it was a rainbow cake on the, in, mm-hmm. inside. And I was like, oh, that's cool. This, is, like, this must have taken a lot of work. Yeah. And I was really impressed with it. Yeah, that's um, really cool. Yeah, so, I mean, just, you know, the, the striking visuals are, yeah. are important, too. Yeah. I struggle with taking pictures in our restaurant that include all of that, like the striking visuals yeah. and trying to include the fire aspect too. Like that's a whole different, yeah, whole different ball game. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But, um, you know, like, so they present their food phenomenally. It's just not very good. Now, maybe I was there on like their soft opening. Um, <coughs> so I do want to go back in like a month or two and check it back out to see what's changed. But, you know, they have like an Italian street taco on their menu. Okay. The fuck is an Italian street taco? I don't know. And it's, it's, what's even more painful is that their chef is, like, from Italy. He's only lived here for a few years. Oh, really? I was wondering who the chef was there. Yeah. Um, so it's like, you know, what the fuck? Like, the Italian street taco is basically, like, a flatbread that's folded over a shit ton of arugula, some prosciutto, some mozzarella cheese, and then, like, some oil and vinegar, I think. Okay. Um, and then they do tableside mozzarella service. So you get... Roasted beets and mozzarella as an appetizer, and they make, but they make the ball of mozzarella tableside. Okay, which I think sounds fucking amazing. Yeah. So we ordered it. 
it wasn't curd. They had taken a ball of mozzarella, sliced it back up, and then dumped a bunch of boiling water in there to reconstitute it into a ball <laughs> of mozzarella. So now again, it was opening night. Maybe they ran out of shit. I need to cut them some slack, but and it is I it's it's the most beautiful restaurant for interior decoration. I've heard that from several people, and I yeah. know the person that did their lighting. I think they have okay. um, a ceiling, a vaulted ceiling that yeah. has uh, lighting projected onto yep. it. I know that he worked really hard on it, and yeah. he's, he's very talented. So yeah, it's um, I mean, it's it's nothing like anything else in Syracuse. It's like you walk in, like when I walked in, there was like, oh, I'm in Las Vegas. I'm in an okay. Italian restaurant in Las Vegas, which I think is fucking awesome. Yeah, you know, um, it's just they miss hardcore on the food. It's hard, though. I mean, I'll tell you, the first six months that we were open, mm -hmm. I don't think it showed all that much, but it was. I was ready to pull my hair out every day. Really? I mean, it was. we had a lot of comments, people that came in the first two weeks, and they were like, oh, we kind of expected this to suck because you just opened. And I was like, well, I wouldn't let it suck because <laughs> I wouldn't be doing this if I thought it was going to suck. Yeah. But also, you know, the first six months we were open was... I, I was kind of glad when COVID happened because I got a week <laughs> off to like recuperate from the first six months. But, you know, as we, as we reopened, I kind of got my bearings a little bit more about what the restaurant should be, mm. how to simplify things so that they're not, they weren't as crazy anymore. Yeah. I was, I was wearing myself and the whole staff out. Yeah. So, you know, now we're at a place where I feel like it's sustainable. Mm. Everybody's got a four day work week. They stay under 40 hours. They have health insurance now, benefits, hmm. which is awesome. Yeah. How do you, how many stations do you have set up on the line? Like how many people does it take to really properly run that? It's three, sometimes okay. four. Uh, so we have one person that does all the entrees, one person that does appetizers. Either me or my sous chef, Asa, stand in the middle. And then we just, the person standing in the middle expedites and they bounce back and forth. Whoever needs hmm. help, they just jump on that side. Huh. Um, and that seems to work out pretty well. Yeah, And then recently, since I hired, since I have three people in the kitchen and a dishwasher, I've been behind the bar. But if I see something's going on behind the line that, like, it looks like people are frustrated or freaking out, I can go back there and, and help out. Yeah. Which has been, and likewise, when, you know, Keenan looks like he's getting his butt kicked behind the bar, I can hop behind the bar and make a couple of drinks. And, yeah, you know, that's kind of always been my dream is to be able to do everything. Yeah. And until I started working with Keenan, I really didn't have that ability. I, didn't, I really mm. didn't know anything about bartending yeah. when I opened the place. I'm, I've been a chef for 25 years, you know. Mm. Um, but he's he's taught me quite a bit mm. in just like three weeks we've been working together. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I felt like I knew something about cocktails and making them from my time at Abbott's and, you know, stuff over the summer. And then I had Keenan on the podcast and I was like, oh, fuck. I was like, I don't, I don't know anything. You know, I think you posted a cocktail video a couple of weeks ago, and we, we were looking at the way you were stirring it. And I was like, you got to go back over there and tell him. Uh, that's pretty funny. Yeah, um, he is. I think I, we're trying. I know he's coming in for a Tales from the Bar episode here, oh, in, cool. a, in a, I think at the end of the month. And John Page and I have been talking about starting a. a a YouTube show that's all around spirits called Booze and Buddies. And um, we were talking about trying to get Keenan in to do a, uh, to like do like a recurring segment on that. Um, I also want, I also think it'd be cool to like have Keenan come in and do his own cocktail show of whatever he wants to do here from Eat Local. Um, yeah. We've been toying with the idea of him doing a cocktail event where yeah. he teaches people how to, how to mix cocktails. That'd be cool. Um, we were toying about doing it 
this. We were toying with the idea of doing it this month, but mm. it may end up being next month. Yeah, I'd, I'd for sure jump on that. Um, yeah, I, I do want to host like a cocktail, like a mix-off sort of a thing, you know, is, is you know, not that that's like some be-all, end-all thing, you know, but uh, just to have, like have fun, get some like talented bartenders together and, yeah. you know, have them do some interesting things. Um, <clears throat> I've thought about, because, you know, as my bourbon collection is, is growing, I've thought about just putting something on Eat Local, like, hey, I've got 10 spots for followers who want to come in and spend a couple hours trying some different bourbons. Right you know? on. Um, that's one thing that I, you know, not to go back to like the detriments of our current food scene, but I feel like six, seven years ago, we did just have a better sense of like quality food. You know, like there were more events circling around it. Like there was like that the cook-off at um, Onondaga Lake. Oh, the Chobani. Yeah. Yep. You know. Not that that was like some fine food thing, but there was definitely more of an attention. It was more chef focused. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting event. I was kind of mad that I went to it because I really wanted to go to the Ironman on Lake Placid that weekend. <laughs> and Chance Bear, who I was working with at the time, was yeah. like, "No, no, no! You have to go. You have to like network with people." Yeah. And by the time all those chefs were done cooking, they were just like, "We need a drink, and we're going to get out of here." Yeah. Um, so I didn't really get to meet anybody, mm. but it was a cool thing to see. Yeah, um, I'd never watched a cooking competition live before. Yeah, it's not something that I would ever be interested in doing. But right. um, it was it was a cool thing to see, and it was cool that they were doing it. Yeah, you know? I think yeah, I don't, I don't know. I think yeah, I'm I'm getting more to like the attention to chefs. There hasn't been too much of a focus on chefs in our area in the past couple of years. It doesn't feel like, which I under, it's understandable with COVID. But I, I want to figure out ways for to like help facilitate that. You know. Yeah. Because I think of, I mean, Syracuse has had some attention on it with some of the celebrities coming through, you know, because they're kids at SU in the food world and not in the food world. And um, yeah, we have, uh, I think Eric Repair's son is going to yeah. SU now. Yeah. Um, we Keenan was actually begging somebody from the depart one of the departments to like have Eric Repair come in here. We'll bump somebody. Oh, really? <laughs> Sorry if you get bumped. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you tried to make a reservation, we probably would. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, and Amberell. Um, yeah. I know that she. There's been some news about her lately. Yeah. Um, yeah, it it would be cool to meet those those guys. Yeah. So that's kind of just what I'm like thinking about. Like, are we prepared for like when the moment strikes? You know what I mean? Yeah. When the opportunity arises, sort of a thing. But also just trying to kind of help you know facilitate some of that you know better food coming to our area. So much of it's is you know mass bought, just you know. Cisco turned and burned. Well, I think, you know, there are there are good restaurants in our area, and we're trying to elevate the food scene. Um, yeah. I'm excited every time I see a new cool concept open up. Yeah. Um, I'd like to see there be more one-off concepts of, like, I mean, I, I guess Exo Taco is an example. They do tacos. And yeah. There's, there's, there isn't a burger on their menu, to my knowledge. No. I don't know. Um, I haven't been there in a while. But I feel like doing a one-off concept really well yeah. is something that makes a food scene diverse. Yeah. And I'd like to see more of that instead of people putting like, you know, having the chicken franchise and the cheeseburger and the steak on their menu. You yeah. Know, just focus on your style of cuisine. Yeah. And do that really well. That's what Mark Bolas and I were just talking about earlier was, um, or last week on the podcast, uh, was um, uh, like that, restaurants that are, you know, more focused in on we do burgers, we do this, 
you know, f- specializing in on like one concept and perfecting it, trying to, instead of like one restaurant that's got like this vast, massive menu that's trying to appeal to everybody. Um, yeah, I remember one of my first restaurant jobs was, it was at a restaurant in Burlington that's since closed, so I can kind of dog on it now. But um, it was called Carver's, and they had an eight-page menu, mm. and it was so complicated that they had four-by-eight sheets of plywood on the ceiling, and each menu item had, like, what was in it written out. So <laughs> it didn't matter who was in there. They could just read it and put it together. Oh, my God. Which was wild. Yeah. Um, but it was like a... It was a staple, not to compare it to possibilities because they're two totally different concepts, but yeah. it, was, it was that kind of like staple in the sense that it mm. was the place to go, you yeah. know, where like Karen has built that business over so many years and it's such a popular place. Yeah. And I went in there four, three, four weeks ago. It had an awesome meal. Yeah. Um, you know, she's, she's done a great job over a very long time. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's great to see restaurants like that around too, that are just like, yeah. you know, beasts in the food scene and like oh, you know sure. um and she's been super friendly and helpful to me too like kind of mentoring me and, and telling That's me cool. like you know what, what i should be focusing on and yeah looking at to grow our business i feel bad i always forget about possibilities they're they're on that list too for best restaurants for sure and that would stack up against somebody else yeah i mean they're it's a great restaurant you know yeah. it's hard to it's hard to manage the quality in something that big yeah you know that's always that busy yeah. And I understand that. She probably has a lot of staff, I, I can yeah. only imagine. Um, and she's running multiple businesses. She's got the hot tomato thing. She's got the, the uh, daily bread. Yeah. You know, so it's a lot. If you're, if you're trying to, like, individually manage quality, which is something that I try to do at our restaurant, yeah. like, it's hard if you can't be on top of everything all the time. Right. And even, like, I see stuff slip in our restaurant, and then I have to go and correct it. Yeah. But, you know, when you're looking at it from that high level, you have to have really good management underneath you, but some things are going to fall through the cracks. You always seem really chill and relaxed, but is there other times where you're like, you know, fuck, I don't want to get on that, that side of rich. Like when it comes to that, like, you know, things slipping in the kitchen. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Short answer. <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I, I'm not a screamer or a yeller. Well, you can't be in your restaurant, right? No. I mean, like during serve, you know, in some restaurants during service, you might hear a pan fly through the, you know, kitchen. Uh, you can't do that at Eden. I've thrown things in our kitchen before. Really? <laughs> it's a good thing that brick wall is back there. Um, yeah, it's it's only happened, I think, twice. Yeah. One time I stomped my foot because a farmer had brought us a bunch of eggs. We did a brunch, okay. and a farmer had brought us a case of eggs. I don't know. He put it in the back of his truck or something, and every single yolk broke when I was trying to crack the, the oh. eggs for this one dish. <laughs> and it was like... I tried like 10 times. Jesus. And every single yoke broke, and I finally just stomped my foot. The staff still makes fun of me about it today. <laughs> um, yeah, I stomped my foot on the ground. I was like, God damn it. Um, but I'm not really a yeller. I'm more of a... Because I worked, I worked for a female chef that was not a yeller for four years, and mm-hmm. she taught me a lot. Yeah. And she never yelled, but she would make you feel really horrible about yourself if you did something wrong. Yeah. Um, and she, but she was also very knowledgeable and she, she worked in, like, I compare my upbringing in kitchens to the way that staff works now. Mm-hmm. And I feel like they're soft maybe because, yeah. you know, when I was a kid, it was like, you did get yelled at mm-hmm. um, and people wouldn't put up with that now. Yeah. But I mean, she was a cook in France in the seventies. Mm-hmm. Like she cooked her way all the way through Bordeaux in the seventies. Wow. And then ended up being like Neil Peart, the personal chef on his yacht. Huh. Um, yet but she was a phenomenal cook but never she never yelled she would just like that's Hmm. not how you do that (laughs) 
and just make you feel like a horrible human being. And then you go, okay, and we'll do that, do it that way again. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Is it, is it tough to find like the exceptional talent that you probably need here in Syracuse? I mean, I know you don't have this, you know, a hundred person staff, but, um, so you can, you can get away with a few, but was that, has that been challenging over the past couple of years to f- try and find like a chef who's going to come in and kind of get it and be open or. I would say, you know, the people that are with us have been with us for a while. Mm-hmm. So after a while, they just get it. Yeah. Um, the most difficult part I think is just finding people that want to stick around and want to be involved, mm-hmm. you know? And that have the passion and, and understand that, like, the goal is to make something special. Yeah. And the goal is to present something special to people because it's their special night out. Right. You know, they're they're there because it's a birthday or an anniversary or, or, you know, some kind of special occasion. And you don't want to screw that up. You know, you want to elevate that experience for them. Yeah. So I think the difficult part is more finding people that are dedicated to it mm-hmm. and dedicated to the craft because there's so many other things you could do and make more money at, Yeah, you know, and especially now when I see like, you know, people want to be Instagram influencers and they think that, you know, that's a career and it is for some people, Yeah, people still have to cook, you know? And I think if you love it, like finding people that really love it enough to make the sacrifices to, to do it day in and day out, especially in a restaurant like ours where it's really hard work. I mean, before I came here today, we put five cords of wood in our basement. Jesus. You know, it's, it was just me and one other guy. Um, so having that, you know, having that drive yeah. to want to do something special, I think that all the staff that we have now does have that drive. Yeah. And they understand the concept and they understand the importance of it. Uh, but getting there has been tough. And I would rather have people that are dedicated and want want to work and want to learn than people that know it all, hmm. you know. The one person that knows it all in our restaurant is Keenan. Yeah. You know, he's, he's, and I give him free reign to create whatever he wants to create. Mm-hmm. I learn from that. Um, because he's studied, you know, as much as I studied in yeah. my field. You know, I used to go home and read cookbooks voraciously. Mm-hmm. Like I'll read a cookbook in a night. Mm-hmm. And I know that he does that too with wine and spirits. And he's always reading and always learning. And yeah. he'll, he'll ask me about like, how do I make cheese from scratch? And I'll be like, well, you start with this. He's like, you know what? Let me read a book, and then I'll ask you if I have any questions. And he's he's just like that. He wants to learn. And, yeah. And I'm kind of the same way. Like, I, I'm very curious about things. Yeah. Whether hmm. it's food or music or, you know, my other hobbies. Yeah. Um, I'm always curious. I always want to know more. Yeah. And, uh, hmm. you know, we haven't really found a lot of people like that. I mean, it's probably just me and Keenan in our restaurant. Hmm. Um but the people that we do have are dedicated. They want, they're proud of what they do. And that's, I think that's the most important thing. You know, yeah. if you bring that to the table, teaching somebody how to cook isn't hard. Yeah. It's got to be, um, you know, most fine dining restaurants are kind of, unless you're like the person or maybe like the one or top, like the top two or three people. I'd imagine not again, you know, not that Eden is like, fine dining in that sense but for like an up for a for a well-respected restaurant like eden uh i'd imagine it's can be challenging because a lot of those positions are kind of like not transient like they're here today gone tomorrow but they're kind of like stepping stones to like like if you're in that space to be aware that hey i'm working at eat i'm working at this really great fucking restaurant 
Um, I want to get, but you have somebody like Keenan who's constantly learning and growing and, you know, on their way to become right. You know, how do you kind of hold people down? <laughs> how do you, how do you keep them from leaving? Um, you know, like, uh, I just think of, you know, most, like most, like more national stories, you know, nationally known restaurants, I guess, fine dining restaurants, unless you're like the person, like you're the chef. Most of those are like, hey, I'm going to be here for a year. I'm going to learn what I need to learn. I'm going to take that and go on to the next biggest restaurant, fi- fancier restaurant, you know, whatever the case is, trying to build their own career sort of sort of a thing. Yeah, well, I, th- I mean, I see in our restaurant, if you do want to take the initiative and you want to do something different than, we, than what we have been doing or what we've traditionally done, yeah. those guys all can give me input. Mm. You know, I, I never... I might say that's an idea if I don't think it's going to work. Yeah. But if somebody has an idea and I think it's going to work, mm-hmm. I'll implement it. Implement it. Um, mm-hmm. So I give them the freedom. I mean, especially with Keenan, him more so probably than anybody else because he is so knowledgeable. Yeah. But, you know, Alex or Asa, if they have an idea, you know, I said, run with it. Yeah. Like, let's try it out. Because um, they're, they're – in a spot now in Syracuse where if they're not going to leave Syracuse, they're working at one of the top three restaurants. Right. And I mean, they could go to Amano or they could go to St. Urban. I think that, you know, we provide enough of a, a kind of, kind of a family atmosphere Yeah. that everybody's friendly. Um, you know, they do have benefits. They probably wouldn't get those at those other restaurants. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do have the freedom to experiment with stuff if they want to. Yeah. So that's how I, keep them engaged you know if, if somebody has an idea yeah let's try it out let's, yeah let's figure it out or or you know try it once and then if we can figure out a better way to do it we'll try something different next time hmm. yeah um do you feel a sense of responsibility at all for being one of like those three restaurants in syracuse i would say my biggest sense of responsibility is to the staff because mm-hmm. um, they are all they're friends of mine yeah um you know I, i'm not like the kind of boss it's like i just look at them as like underlings like yeah. I, I look at us all as equals and there are people i care about so my main goal is to make sure they stay employed mm. and by producing a high level product i feel like i can keep them employed yeah because we then we get return guests and the word gets out and you mm. know we're busy every night now which is that's great awesome. you know we used to have like a low on wednesday and thursday it's gotten way better huh, that's awesome um and every year it's just, you know, it goes up and up. Yeah. Which is great. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, my guess, I want to impress the guests. And I realize it's a special occasion for them. But I also want to make sure that my staff is taken care of. Because at the end of the day, like, I, can't, I know I can't do it on my own. Yeah. I, I tried when we reopened after COVID. And it was <laughs> <laughs> almost put me in my grave. <laughs> um, it's It was a lot to try and do it on my own. Um, hmm. But I, I have a lot of respect for them for showing up every day and, and just doing the job that needs to get done. Yeah. Um, I know it's not easy, yeah. but to hold ourselves to a higher level, we have to do those things. Hmm. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, I'm excited for uh, this new year, man, with uh, the dry aging uh, oh, yeah. thing you got going on. That's going to be really cool. I'm really pumped. I, I can't wait to do charcuterie. Yeah. Uh, we have, you know, three bone-in ribeyes that are coming in tomorrow that I'm just excited to get in there. That's cool. Uh, we got a new wine fridge this year, too, which is great. Yeah. Finally, we're finally, like, organizing the wine program a little bit more. That's cool. Um, it's been pretty good. I mean, Keenan 
got us a Wine Spectator Award, which yeah. is pretty incredible considering that we only carry New York State wine. Yeah. Um, what yeah, does something like that mean for the restaurant? I mean, I think it gives... So when we first opened and we said we only carry New York State wine, there were certain people, certain people in the, in the restaurant industry, I'm not going to name names, <laughs> uh, but that came in and they were like, oh, I don't want to dine here if you're only going to carry New York State wine. Like, it's just not worth my time. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I find that laughable because our whole concept is eat local, drink local, you yeah. know, be, be in the place that you're in. Yeah. And we also, like, if you want to come in with a bottle of wine, we'll cork it for you. It's 25 bucks. Yeah. You know, it's a pretty standard fee. Yeah. So if you want to come in with something special, you know, you can. Cha just opened a wine shop right down yeah. the street, and she's got a bunch of, like, weird and funky wines and, like, you know, one-offs that, you know, you can go right down the street and buy something different if you want it. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. I think it, when Keenan put together our wine list, it gave it, Wine Spectator gave it credibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so people can't say like, "Oh, you don't know what you're doing. You're just buying New York State wine." Yeah, like we have a we have a level two certified sommelier that put this together, right? And will be part of our our concept for you know even if he decides to move somewhere else, like he'll be part of our concept and he'll still be somebody that I look to yeah. to help us build build our beverage program and and keep it you know yeah. on the level it's been. Hmm. That's really cool. And I think it, the same thing goes with the cocktails. You know, yeah, you can have a. I've had. Great cocktails at, like, I went to Dante, had a great cocktail. Um, it was fairly expensive. But then you go to other bars. Like, I went to um, the Campbell Apartment. If you're, I don't know if you're hmm. familiar with that. It's in Grand Central Station. Okay. Uh, it's kind of a swanky bar. Yeah. It was the conductors or the person that was a, in charge of Grand Central. It was their apartment at one point. Oh, cool. Um, it's a swanky bar, but I ordered a Manhattan. It wasn't that great. Yeah. So... You know, having having a drink that's like truly spectacular. I, I don't think that people realize it until they've tried it. Yeah. And what Keenan is doing, I think, I think is pretty spectacular. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I forgot about Cha. I was thinking about her yesterday, and I just I was talking to somebody and just saying how it's it's it seems so she seems so random to me and to the point like I met her la or I think it was not this past summer but the summer before that at like a an event. Eat local had at buried acorn and she showed up to it and she was like you're the person i was here to see and i was like who are you and then she sat down and talking and letting me know like you know who she is and you know what she's done and i was like why are you why are you in syracuse you know um i when i first met her i kind of questioned that too but i think she has family here yeah so yeah, that's i think cool. that that makes sense for her. it's the same reason i'm here yeah um but she has done some pretty interesting stuff i think she's part of the she runs the beverage program for the Charleston Food and Wine Festival. Yeah. Or some, some festival yeah. down south. It's a, it's a big deal. Yeah. Um, I'm probably misquoting that, but... Yeah. Um, yeah, she did an event at our space, too. We yeah. had a wine dinner there. That's right. And she brought a bunch of interesting wines. That's cool. She comes into dinner at our place every so often and brings interesting wine and lets Keenan and I try it. Mm. She'll blind taste us on it. Mm. Um, yeah, it's pretty cool. That's awesome. We have a cool community in Hanover Square. Yeah. Just, you know, with us, the Evergreen, Maxwell's, they're awesome. Yeah. Orbis, I can't really figure out, but I, <laughs> you know, the, the T is a friend of mine. I yeah. just can't figure out the concept. I'm banned from Maxwell's. Are you? Yeah. <laughs> I um, I said they posted a Instagram video earlier this year, and it was like a crowded bar, and there was these two women dancing on top of the bar. 
I heard this story. And <laughs> one of them put their foot in the ice well. <laughs> and I commented, because I've been, like, especially around that time, I was watching a lot of, like, bar rescue and stuff. And um, and so I made the comment. I was like, this looks like the scene right before John Taffer walks in, um, who's, you know, the guy from Bar Rescue. Because it's just like, you know, who the fuck wants their, somebody's dirty feet on the bar during, you know. Yeah. Granted, Maxwell's isn't, a, you know, like, some, you know, fancy establishment or anything like that. But, uh, um, but anyway, so, um, I was, I was blocked from their Instagram account <laughs> and then somebody like a couple of weeks after that, someone, Hey, huh? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Oh, thank you. <laughs> Oh, oh, I saw that comment. Yes, yes. <laughs> That's hilarious. You need to get that on the, on the microphone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's hilarious. Well, thank you so much. She did. Yeah. That's hilarious. <laughs> thank you. I saw that comment or posts yesterday, some, sometime on Instagram. Somebody was like, this yeah, is the meal Rachel. I had. She's been a fan of ours since like day one, before day one. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but somebody had told me, they were like, yeah, I ran into the owner of, I think it was Nick. Nick was like the guy that owns Maxwell's. So I had no idea who the hell it was. He was like, I just ran into him and he doesn't, he's not a fan of yours. You need to call him and smooth it over. I called him as I was like six beers deep in Louisville, Kentucky with Kyle and Jesse. Oh, jeez. We, we, we had gone, they had gone down there to pick out a, a barrel of Knob Creek rye for the tap house. And I went with them to like film it and stuff. And so we landed off the plane and went straight to a brewery and started drinking at like noon. And um, so I was like six beers deep. I was like, I'm going to call this motherfucker. <laughs> like 10 minutes later. Uh, we were like yelling at each other on the phone and he told me I was banned from the restaurant. I was like, I don't fucking care. Uh, so anyways, yeah. Pete's cool. He'll get over it. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's, he's a good guy. It's the only place I've ever been banned from in Syracuse. Yeah. Um, I'm sure there's other places people won't, wouldn't want to, wouldn't, wouldn't be happy if they saw me walk into, but it's the only <laughs> place that's officially banned me. Uh, well, thanks man for coming on the podcast. Yeah. Anytime. I appreciate it. Um, I'm excited to, uh, see this dry aged program coming out. Yeah. And um I mean so I've said Syracuse needs a steakhouse and granted you're not a steakhouse but you guys I think definitely are the place to go if you're looking for a great steak. You know, we're just trying to do what we do well. Yeah. And it made the most sense because because we want to get steak from local farms. Yeah. It made the most sense to do it that way. Yeah. Um we did take the inspiration from that from a steakhouse. Mm-hmm. So it was actually last time I was in New York I went and had two dinners mm. and one of them was at that steakhouse. Oh, right, nice. Yeah. I had, I had a full dinner with dessert and then I was like, you know, Hawksmoor is right around the corner. I could just go in there for a steak real quick. <laughs> so I got a 14 ounce strip steak on top of what I'd already eaten. <laughs> I felt kind of uncomfortable the next day, but, yeah, but, but it was worth it. It's, yeah. it's a really cool, cool place. Yeah. That's awesome. All right. Thanks man. Appreciate it. Yeah. No problem. Hey, there it is, everybody. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. In all seriousness, thank you to those of you that listen every single week. Um, there's not many of you, but and I just see the numbers on the screen, but I just want to say, whoever you are, I appreciate you listening. Um, yeah. Next week, Barry from Two Kids Goat Farm. 
uh, maybe the week after that, I forget the timeline, but Stephen Page from former singer of the Bare Naked Ladies, current solo musician. Really excited about that one. I'm actually really excited to release this episode with Barry. We recorded it last week and had a great time talking to him. So anyways, thanks so much for checking out the podcast. We're going to catch you back here next week on the Eat Local New York podcast.